Hello, hello. I'll be real with you. On Friday night, I couldn't speak, so I'm happy to be here speaking with a voice. So bear with me if I cough. Um, my name is Clemmy. I'm a primary school teacher here in Oxford. Um, and yeah, I am so honoured to be here tonight talking on this chapter. So the verses I'm going to be uh, talking on are verse 28 and 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. I'm also going to be talking on uh, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come or powers or height or depth or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Now, if you have been following Jesus for any length of time, it's likely you've encountered these verses. I know that as I was rereading them, um, these ones specifically felt really familiar to me. Um, and I know I've received them on cards or, or little promise cards when I've been going through hard times. But I've been struck this week that sometimes familiarity in Scripture can be dangerous because it it almost loses its power in our lives. And we brush over these verses of, oh yeah, I recognize those. I've heard those loads of times. But I'm just excited to look at them again as Finn's already begun to and see them afresh tonight. So this evening I have two questions for you. Do you believe your greatest good is to become more like Jesus? And do you believe that nothing can separate you from his love? I know the first time I read the verse, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I read it entirely wrong. I thought, when I gave my life to Jesus at 19, I thought, oh great, I'm a Christian now. No harm is going to come into my life. I know that God's going to just give me good gifts. Kept hearing that thing of like, yeah, God will just give me good gifts. But this verse doesn't read, God loves me and my life will be good. It actually says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And I think there are two key ways we often misread this verse. Firstly, the verse does not say all things are good, but all things work together for good. So we are guaranteed as Christians that we will experience hard times, as Finn was just talking about. We will experience um, hardship and difficulty. Being a Christian does not make us immune to hard times. And secondly, we often read the word good in the wrong way, I think. The verse doesn't read, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for their happiness. I recently saw a, um, an advert, a self-care promotional advert that popped up on my social media, and it said, it's not selfish to love yourself and to make your happiness a priority. And as I saw it, it just struck me. I think that's often how we see God, God's like, priority for our life. We often think, oh, God just wants me to be happy. That's what God's priority is for me. He just wants me to be happy. But God's priority for our lives is not our happiness in an easy life, but our increasing holiness to become like his son. The good Paul is speaking of is not a material good, but a spiritual good. God is after your holiness first and foremost. 
And Paul tells us that God has called us to be conformed into the image of his son, and he can use any circumstance to do it. And Paul assures us that as Christians, we will suffer. He gives this list of eventualities, famine, nakedness, sword. But resting on this previous verse and what we know God's good for us is, we know that he can redeem any hardship or tragedy for us to know him more. One of my favorite preachers is a man named David Pawson. And he says that in knowing God's good for us, life is no longer a struggle to avoid unpleasant things and a struggle to strive for pleasant things, but seeing how God uses both unpleasant and pleasant circumstances for our good. And in my own life, personally, I have known this truth so, so personally and profoundly. When um, a few years ago, my world just felt like it came crashing down when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and he died really shortly after. And I just, I was in the middle of my degree. I remember just feeling like nothing was fun anymore. Everything was clouded by a grief and a trauma. But as I hit the five-year mark of this happening last week, I was just reflecting and it just, it hit me. On one, on one side, I'm so, so wish he were here with me still. Obviously, I so wish that he was here with me physically. But I'm so incredibly grateful for how God has, has refined me and molded me and sifted my character more into the character of Jesus these last five years. And I just so see how the Lord has fulfilled the promise he put in Romans in my life to bring about not my happiness, but my good in all circumstances. God can use your hardest moments to bring about your greatest good. So do you believe your greatest good is to become more like Jesus? And Paul says that no circumstance we're faced with can ever separate us from his love. David Paulson, the preacher I just referred to, he said, everything conspires to drive a wedge between the believer and God. He wants nothing more. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to be away from God. And Paul makes a list of every enemy conceivable. And he says he's absolutely convinced that no enemy over the whole earth will separate us from God's love. And remember that this is a man who has been shunned, imprisoned, shipwrecked, left for dead, stoned, gone through hardship we could never imagine. And yet he's still saying in all these things, in all of them, he's not been taken an inch from his saviour. And Paul was also writing this letter to, Rome, uh, to Christians in Rome just before the horrific persecution that would come at the hands of Emperor Nero, who killed Christians for their faith in the most horrific ways, all for amusement. And isn't it beautiful that God used Paul to write these words to Christians to encourage them and say that not even the death you will soon face will, will separate you from me. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my walk with God where I've actually really struggled with these verses because I felt so distant from God's love. And truthfully, I felt separate from his love because I haven't felt it. But I think we've misunderstood the word love here. We've mistakenly seen love as a feeling. Love isn't a feeling. Love is God himself. Love is the presence of God. So when it says we cannot be separated from his love, it means his presence. 
And that's not a fuzzy emotion that fluctuates depending on how we're feeling, but it's a powerful truth. He's always with us. We are in Christ and we have perfect union with him. Don't let the enemy sow seeds of doubt about your union with God. If you love him, if you gave your life to him, you are united with him and he will never be separate from you. When we feel separate from him, he is not separate from us. I'm a primary school teacher, as I said, and each morning I often have crying children wanting a hug. And this week especially, one little boy came in crying each day. And I just asked him, you know, can you try and put into words for me how you're feeling? And he said, I just really, really miss my dad when he goes. I hate saying goodbye to him. And my heart was like, oh my gosh, just give me a second, I'm going to go cry. But I, I just was so struck in that moment as I was thinking this week about what Paul is saying, that we never have to say goodbye to our Heavenly Father. We never have to miss him because he's always with us. So do you believe that nothing can separate you from God's presence of love? I often imagine how Jesus, who is called our great intercessor in this passage, meaning that he is acting and intervening on our behalf, how he receives our prayers in heaven. And imagine most prayers contain a plea or a demand or a hope for a circumstance to change. And I think it's so beautiful he loves to hear us in those moments and respond and act. But I also just imagine his delight at a prayer like this. Jesus, make me more like you. God, use all the circumstances in my life, good and bad, to make me into the image of your son and give me faith, not feelings, to believe you're always near me. Are you convinced that the greatest good for your life is to become like Jesus? And do you truly know that there is no space at all separating you from God's presence of love? I encourage you to reread these, this chapter and these verses on your own this week and just let God revive areas of familiarity.